Greetings, everyone, and welcome to the Mount Rushmore Podcast. My name is Jeff, and I'm joined, as always, by my good friends Richard. Hello. And Michael. Howdy. Richard and Michael are normally at odds as they debate and deliberate the Mount Rushmore of any given topic, but this week they join forces uh, in welcoming, in a bit of a competition, our guest, who is named Moxie Labouche. Welcome, Moxie. How are you? I am great, and I am so excited to be here. Thank you for having me on. Oh, we're ecstatic to have you here, especially because we love your podcast. Moxie Labouche is the host of Your Brain on Facts, a half-hour podcast of things you didn't know, things you thought you knew, and things you never knew you never knew, covering topics as diverse as sci-fi, funerals, food origins, heroic animals, and strategic butter reserve. Tell us a little bit about why you started doing this podcast, Moxie. I have an excess of silly facts in my brain that just come out sometimes. It gets overly full. Uh, like customers at the grocery store don't want to hear why the avocado they're buying has an enormous pit because it used to be redistributed by a prehistoric uh, ground sloth. They just want me to ring up the damn avocado and let them leave. <laughs> so I thought a podcast would be a great way to safely vent all of those bonus facts, except writing a seven-page script each week just puts more stuff in my brain. Oh, it, uh, it does. It does. It re refills the reservoir. Uh, but you have a now another repository for all this information, and that is a book that uh, goes on sale but is available for pre-order. It goes on sale June 16th, Your the Your Brain on Facts book. Can you tell us a little bit about the book and where one may acquire it? Well, the book is very similar to the podcast, except about two-thirds of the contents of the book are articles that have never and will never be on the podcast. So the only way to find out what I wrote about, get the backstory and all those interesting historical things you thought you knew, get the Your Brain on Facts book by pre-ordering at yourbrainonfacts.com slash book, or reach out to your local bookseller from a safe distance. They need your love now more than ever. That's exciting. I'm excited to pre-order it and to read it when it comes in. I'll grab a Kindle copy. Yeah, and uh, it is family friendly. Is it? Okay. And not awesome. Not so much when you get to the strange mating habits section, but you'll know it when you see it. You'll know it. Big red flag. Uh, I see the Your Brain on Facts, Your Brain on Facts book, um, What's the Language of the Stateless Nation in the Pyrenees Mountains, where the world-changing birth control pill was tested. Who wrote the lyrics for the Star Trek theme song that were never used? Richard and Michael, do you guys know the answer to that? I know the second one is Gene Roddenberry, so he could get credit for the uh -huh, lyrics. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> and he royalties. Was a, yeah, because he was a dirty, rotten money grabber. <laughs> you say that like it's a bad thing. Like well, I'm, bad not making, thing. I'm not making a judgment on it. It's just a statement of... Like, yeah. No, yeah, yeah. Okay, well, let's just jump right into it because uh, we've got such a brain trust here. Richard and Michael, uh, their brains are full of facts. And uh, uh, although this time around, it's a little bit about uh, kind of, nece not necessarily fact-driven, but kind of uh, fun... And because we are debating the Mount Rushmore of fictitious prepackaged food spokespersons. And guys, who thought of this in our crew? I forget. That would be you, Jeff. That would be me. Okay. All right. Yes. Okay. Uh, often I start conversations with my wife uh, to initiate a conversation. They, they start with a question, and it's usually teeing off a, t a story that I want to tell. And I think I, I asked my wife the other day, Sweetie, have you ever met any packaged food spokesperson? And she turned to me like, why? Have you? And do you want me to tell you a story? And I regaled her with my encounter with Orville Redenbacher, uh, who she didn't know was a real guy. 
and she was bored silly by the story because it really had no actual um, moments of interest within it whatsoever. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, when my uh, mother was in radio in the 60s and 70s, she interviewed Harlan Sanders. Uh, oh, Colonel she did? Sanders, wow. And uh, she reports him as being uh, equal parts Southern gentleman and dirty old man. Wow. That, that is from the celebrities that, that their worst recording, it sounded, that, of, of Harlan reading some uh, plugs for KFC. Uh, I kind of got as much. <laughs> That's yeah. <so> funny. <laughs> well, okay. Well, why don't we jump right into it? And uh, it is a tradition here that uh, the visitors go first and our, our guests, who we're very happy to have here, are going to go first. So uh, if you don't mind jumping into the fray, Moxie LaBush, what is your first choice for the Mount Rushmore of fictional prepackaged spokesperson? Well, my first candidate would be Tony the Tiger. I feel cool. like he's got nice. a lot going for him. First off, it, at his inception, he beat out three other cartoon mascots that were being considered, those being Katie the Kangaroo, Elmo the Elephant, and Newt the Gnu. And that <laughs> that iteration of Tony the Tiger still walked on all four legs and had kind of a football, almost Stewie Griffin-shaped head. So try to imagine what the other candidates look like. Wow, Tony cool. is the only... Uh, kids cereal mascot who promotes fitness. You always see the kids uh, playing sports in those commercials. So trying to fight back against the childhood obesity epidemic. And he was voiced for 50 years by Thurl Ravenscroft. Oh yeah. That's the guy who sung You're a Mean One, Mr. Grinch. Mm -hmm. That in and of itself should be a slam dunk. That's great. That's a great choice. Uh, uh, Thurl was also if you're a Disney nut, like a few of us are, one of the mellow men and uh, one of the singing busts in the Haunted Mansion who is often mistaken for Walt Disney himself because he's a mustachioed uh, person or was for that filming. So um, what do you like, Tony the Tiger, cereal? Is that something I, you enjoy? I have, I have put away my share of Frosted Flakes over the years, yeah. Yeah. I think, gentlemen, is it true that we did a Mount Rushmore of cereal mascots at one point? Or just cereals. Oh, is cereal, is cereal not? Con no, absolutely. That's oh, absolutely a great okay. choice. And I a was afraid. Choice. I was afraid it was its own separate thing because, frankly, three of mine are breakfast cereal because I would eat breakfast cereal for dinner. And I'm 41 <laughs> years old. No, that's okay. I know we we did we did cereals, just we did. in general. That's absolutely yeah. perfect. Coming out with a really great choice, uh, Richard and Michael. What are your experiences with the uh, uh, not the Joe Exotic Tiger, but the Tony the Tiger? Uh, choice. Now, I've just always been interested by the fact that Tony the Tiger, as you said, is the the spokesperson who tends to try to promote physical fitness with kids, and yet he has the sugariest cereal you could possibly imagine. No, it's up there. It's so up I don't. There, there's there's some sort of disconnect here between what you're telling me and what you're actually selling me. Did is you it? know he's canonically Italian American? That's got to be <laughs> worth another point. Is he Antonio? <laughs> Antonio the Tiger? Maybe, but he is he's canonically he's canonically Italian American. When did wow. this when did, did he arrive on a gondola or something? It was, it was declared in the nineteen seventies and it was even celebrated by like the Italian uh GQ. Is that right? Yeah. We all knew Toucan Sam was uh mob connected, but uh <laughs> no idea. <laughs> Tony the Tiger. They move a lot of coke. Follow his nose. <laughs> <laughs> I I think uh, Tony the Tiger. You know, I wonder if that serial, that messaging and marketing evolved from 
some of the initial marketing around sugary cereals was that it gives you vim and vigor and pep in your step because mm-hmm. of the amount of sugar is going to make your kids so wired that they'll chew the paint off the walls. So uh, it seems like it might have been um, evolved throughout the years to uh, to uh, deal with the childhood obesity pandemic. Yeah, I mean, they, they took the word sugar out of the name because it was sugar frosted flakes of corn. Yeah. And uh, in 1983, I saw is when they took the, the word sugar off as if it's fooling anyone. Mm. Right. Well, speaking of, I think we're uh, comfortable with speaking about this because he is not a fictional spokesperson, although his, I think his um, uh, heritage is a little bit uh, fictionalized. But Moxie was telling us uh, pre-show that her mother uh, was one, at once acquainted with Harlan Sanders' spokesperson for KFC, which they took the fried out of it <laughs> When they start stopped calling it Kentucky Fried Chicken, could you could you tell us again what that encounter was like for your mother? Uh, my mother had been in radio. She was a, an on-air personality. She wants me to stop saying DJ because everybody thinks of DJs as like Skrillex these days. Oh. Uh, in the '60s and '70s, and she did, of course, a lot of celebrity live remotes and things, and had occasion to interview uh, Harlan Sanders, who most of us know better as Colonel Sanders, the originator of the. 11 herbs and spices. My mother reported that he was equal parts Southern gentleman and dirty old man. <laughs> well, as long as those parts were equal. And I've, I've learned that he is from Indiana. So uh, he is not, although the chicken yeah. is fried from Kentucky. Yeah. And he's a Kentucky colonel. And Yeah. Yeah. Do you think that him and, and Orville Redenbacher had a rivalry, both Indiana f- food stuff? spokespersons they they must they like most likely did yeah had to cross paths (laughs) so gentlemen uh moxie labouche has really come out swinging with her first choice of uh uh uh, antonio the tiger what is your first choice all right so when i was thinking about this topic i thought what's a racist food spokesperson that i could talk about (laughs) and then i realized then i what i realized is that's a, that we could almost do a whole topic just on the Mount Rushmore of racist food spokespersons. Unfortunately. Yeah, yes. it's, it, it, it's, it's a checkered past that food proce- processed food has with race in this country. Um, but I, I narrowed it down to one in particular, and my choice to kind of represent this whole sort of sub, subgenre of food spokespersons is the Frito Bandito. Ah, okay. okay. Who was the, the mascot for Fritos from 1967 to 1971. Mm-hmm. He was uh, animated by Tex Avery and uh, voiced by Mel Blanc. Wow, some pedigree at least. Yeah, yeah they, they had quality behind it. Um, you know, and Mel Blanc was basically doing a variation of his Speedy Gonzalez voice. Mm-hmm. Not quite as high-pitched and not quite as fast, but certainly in that in that ballpark was the was speedy gonzalez also a variation from his jack benny character jose jimenez i think i think i think they're all sort of tied up in that sort of loose yeah hispanic sort of 50s 60s world yes um and there was actually i didn't realize but there were several companies back in the 1960s who had mexican revolutionary types you know your pancho villa types as uh, advertising uh, mascots, including American Motors as one of them. Um, and this for the Matador. Yes. Oh wow. And um, the this lasted for a couple of years until I know this will be shocking, 
that some people were offended by the Frito Bandito, a Mexican hmm. who steals things from you. <laughs> Primarily Mexican, several Mexican-American advocacy groups were founded in opposition to use of racial stereotypes in mm -hmm. advertising. And they eventually modified the character to be more friendly because he kind of looked like a, he lived the kind of stereotype Pancho Villa type. He had a gold tooth and a beard. They got rid of that. Um, after Robert F. Kennedy was assassinated in 1968, they got rid of his pistols. Wow. Um, so basically, he is, if you're being generous with it, he is an homage to Eli Wallach's character from The Good, The Bad, and The Ugly. <laughs> At the worst, he's just a horrible racist stereotype. Mm -hmm. Right up there with Speedy Gonzalez, which, again, also voiced by Mel Blanc. I'm not saying Bill Blank is a, is a racist, was a racist himself. I'm just saying he winds up voicing these racist characters. Hey, I'll man. The, I'll the let check you still make... cashes. That's true. <laughs> uh, Richard, uh, I imagine one could choose this, all four of their Mount Rushmore choices, and Moxie uh, saying this to you as well, using uh, cartoon characters that are similar to actual Saturday morning cartoon animated characters or ones that preceded uh, feature films back in the day. Uh, although I believe Tony the Tiger as a mascot, I wonder if he originated on a cereal box first and jumps off into the commercials for said cereal afterwards? Was he mm -hmm. Yeah, devised? he was originally the graphic yeah. Uh, on the box before there were much in the way of TV advertising. Mm -hmm. And bonus fact, Kellogg sued uh, ExxonMobil when they started calling their um, convenience stores Tiger Marts because the oh. logo looked a lot like Tony the Tiger. Wow. <laughs> okay. Well, cool. Uh, Moxie, uh, give us your second choice, please. All righty. Coming up on number two, close second, one Horatio Magellan Crunch. Captain. Oh, the captain. Oh my Second. god, I, I didn't know. Oh, is he still captain? I thought he was promoted to well, admiral. Okay. Well, now I, I'll be happy to tell you all about that because of I'm course I got, I got all this nonsense. Yes, the character was born from a dubious survey that claimed that children under the age of ten prefer crunchy food over soggy food. Who the hell wants soggy food? <laughs> Who were the other, the yeah. dissenting kids in the survey? Yeah. <laughs> The children who lost teeth in a baseball outfielding accident or something, <laughs> perhaps, yeah. Maybe it was pre-fluoridation. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but um, Quaker Oats hired Jay Ward, who was a co-creator of Rocky and Bullwinkle. Mm -hmm. uh, and he was voiced by, finding in my notes, uh, Dawes Butler, who also voiced Yogi Bear and Huckleberry Hound. So kind of a pretty lot going into this particular mascot. Now there is some question about his rank. Yes, he has uh, three gold stripes on his cuffs, which in the US Navy would make him a commander, the next rank down from captain. The Navy actually had to weigh in on this. This was such a hot button topic. Uh, saying that uh, Captain Crunch appears to be wearing the rank of a U.S. Navy commander, U.S. Navy spokesman Lieutenant Commander Sarah Flaherty said, oddly, our personnel records do not show a Captain Crunch who currently serves or has served in the Navy. Now, that being said, for whatever reason, Captain Crunch showed up in a lot of U.S. Navy cruise books, and these are like a yearbook for the time that you were out at sea with that same group of people. Uh, no one knows why 
he was included in them, but like the 1975 cruise book from the USS Lang, the 1980 cruise book from the USS Nicholson, and on and on. For whatever reason, the Navy had Captain Crunch as a semi-unofficial mascot. Wow, that's a lot of fun. Uh, my... it's, it's funny. It's funny. I don't have like a memory. You know, you mentioned uh, the, the same uh, voice, uh, the same guy that did his voice to Yogi Bear. I don't have like a distinctive uh, Captain Crunch voice in my head, but he's just the image of him is so um, so permanent. And it's funny. I wouldn't even consider. I didn't even realize that he's American. I figured that he was. I thought he was British from the Horatio. Yeah. Yeah, I figured that he was just like sailing under his own flag, or has gone rogue on these, you know, this <laughs> this pirate. Wouldn't that make uh, him a pirate? Yeah. Under the flag <laughs> of Quaker Oats. Yeah. <laughs> no, I, I, I just the only, I mainly just want to chime in here too, as we did in the serial episode. Remind everyone. Sorry. I no, forgot. that's okay. No, that's okay because. Anytime I get the chance to to refresh people about the majesty that is the song "Where's the Captain," I must do it. Please refresh us because this was in 1987 when Captain Crunch one day disappeared, and they turned this into a months-long saga that played out through various uh, commercials on the boxes, and they all even had a music video done by one Mr. Rick. Rock and Roll Hoochie Coo Derringer um, for a song called Where's the Captain? And it is as cheesy of an 80s song as you can possibly imagine with lots of like eight-year-old kids um, miming to the song dressed up like Mr. T and Cindy Lauper. It's a trip, you guys. Please. <laughs> I'm having you- a stroke just listening to that. <laughs> it's Go on YouTube and, and, and watch it for yourself. It's it's some spectacular, weird kids marketing. I don't know who the, the brain trust was that came up with that, but it's it's out there, you guys. Wow. But Looking I love at... the I love the captain. I love Captain Crunch. I love the cereal. I love him, Michael. If I, I believe Captain Crunch had kind of a mix of an old and zany kind of voice. Mm. He kind of sounded like your your kind of your typical sort of, I guess, eccentric uncle would be sort of how I would describe it. It's an avuncular tone, certainly. Yeah. yeah. I thought of him like as a Mr. Magoo on 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 meth or something like that. <laughs> yeah, a little bit <laughs> of that. Yeah. I I am looking at um a list of breakfast cereal advertising characters and Quaker Oats seems to have cornered the market on uh superlatives because they have King Vitamin and Captain Crunch. Um I think the only thing that could challenge them is from the Weedabix food company, Professor Weedo. So <laughs> giving, these, uh, gra- giving this gravitas to these characters in order to browbeat uh, kids into buying cereal is a pretty good strategy. I no, think Cap- man, King Vitamin's a Wick cereal. You don't have that by choice. It's because it's either oh. King Vitamin or Kaboom, the clown one. And, <laughs> and I still cringe when I see it out of the corner of my eye. We could also, okay. we could also rank them by how how dangerous they would be in a fight so far. <laughs> yeah. Do you want do you want a bandito with p- pistols blazing? Do you want a literal tiger who will rip your neck out? <laughs> oh, I thought or you were talking about want... how dangerous the food product was just gonna get oh, cut no. up all in the cut up all in the mouth with the Captain Crunch. Well <laughs> like, if you're like put it on your fists like Rambo. Yeah. Well if you're like Michael and I we neither of us um 
use milk in our cereal. So then bizarre. The Captain Crunch mouth mouth scraping thing is very real. What do that, you use? Just eat it dry. Nothing. Yeah. Oh, okay, that's fine. That's just snacking. That's just snacking. <laughs> Thank I, you. I will say that uh, oddly, I believe the um, roof of mouth um, sandpaper effect that you get from Captain Crunch is only. Uh, comparable to eating a Chips Ahoy cookie, the dry original Chips Ahoy cookie, which is, uh, I think, odd because they're both kind of seafaring type of uh, marketing. <laughs> but. Mm. So, uh, gentlemen, uh, it is time to choose your, to let us know your second choice. Well, if you were going to rank someone in terms of toughness, uh, my next choice would definitely be last on the list, and that is uh, Mr. Poppin' Fresh, the Pillsbury <laughs> Doughboy. From the uh, Pillsbury line of, um, I guess, breakfast delights that uh, Pillsbury puts out, be it uh, cinnamon rolls or grams or uh, crescent rolls or what have you. But um, Poppin' Fresh uh, really is what I like about him as a mascot is that he hasn't really changed in, you know, 70 years that he's been around. He was introduced in uh, 1965, so I guess 60 something years. Um, introduced in 1965 as kind of this round, joyous, laughing, giggling, white piece of living dough that um, is just with you on your breakfast table as you eat and, and um, is so happy. And he's not really energetic. He's not really um, – he's just – he seems like he's a very supportive mascot to have around, especially during breakfast time. And um, I, I just really like that he's he has been basically unchanged. You know, so many. Um, what do you talk about? Like Tony, the Tiger has gone from being, you know, like uh, like Moxie said, like this kind of football head shaped regular tiger into being the strongman tiger. Or now he's got cool lightning bolt uh, stripes on him, and has been very much um, redefined. You know, era after era. Uh, Pop and fresh is just. He is who he is, and um, he's like almost as recognizable as some other, you know, very popular cartoon characters. Like, uh, you know, obviously no one is as recognizable as um, as uh, Mickey Mouse, but you know, you see his face and you know exactly what he represents and uh, what his name is and what he does. Um, I didn't realize that. Uh, Possibly, though, uh, Poppin' Fresh Fox, because he's got a whole Poppin' Fresh family, including maybe, I don't know if it's his uh, girlfriend, uh, Poppy. It might be his wife. He's got kids named Popper and Bun Bun. Uh, <laughs> definitely, uh, he has, you know, their grandparents, uh, Grandpopper and Grandmommer. So he comes from, you know, a line of, uh, you know, dough that gets it on. Which is uh, very, <laughs> very exciting for for uh, uh, to discover that on such a, a you know Lily White character, literally mm -hmm. li Lily White character. Uh, Pop and Fresh was voiced originally by Paul Fries, who was uh, joined Thorl Ravenscroft, uh, voice of Tony the Tiger, in some Disney attractions. So, um, sorry to get my I, Disney nerdery in there. No, the no, wall no. Of I, red string, it's all connected. Yeah. <laughs> um, I do also uh, enjoy that he seems like he was the direct inspiration for the uh, Stay Puft Marshmallow Man from Ghostbusters. You didn't I, take you know, away the, Michelin Man from Stay Puft? Oh, I guess so. I guess maybe they maybe 
maybe Pop and Fresh and the Michelin Man got together. Got together. Yeah, they got, they got, they got it on there. Although so I would when, say... So when you mix rubber and yeast dough, you get marshmallows. <laughs> got it. I, I would go marshmallow with you there uh, because um, um, Dan Aykroyd's character speaks of him as this innocent, harmless, um, sweet kind of character. And I wouldn't... Michelin Man seems like he's out to kick some ass. Um, True. Do you think... I, I believe... Uh, Poppin' Fresh may have at some point been nearly usurped by the Hamburger Helper oven mitt because they almost seem to be oh. the same kind of oven-adjacent lurker that uh, <laughs> whenever you see them in the commercial, they're usually kind of being shot from a top-down vantage point. Uh, and they're frequently poked. They totally are. <laughs> to get yeah, back but there's... To the... yeah. So there's there's something about when the mascot is made of the thing that they're encouraging you to eat, because he's clearly made of, of dough. Right. Yeah. And he's encouraging you to eat the bread products. It's just. Yeah. Well, in some of when the, you stop and think of, about it. In some of the early commercials too, you know, he was called kind of pop and fresh because you know the, the the tube of, uh, uh, you know, like dough that you would open up. Um, he in the animation of like the, in some of the earlier commercials, he would literally pop out of the canister and then just be on your table. And then, <laughs> I mean, yeah, I mean, that just, that just drives, you know, the, the cost of you just lose one of those roles right away. It's just like, Oh man, I was going to eat you. And now you're here. You're having a conversation <laughs> with me. I would and say pop and fresh, uh, is a spokesperson whose name presaged the 80s hip-hop explosion pretty nicely, <laughs> almost as much as Def Jam cigarettes did. Or I, I, I can't imagine another product that... Uh... Okay, I think, I think this oh, brings us to our halftime. And at this point, I want to remind our audience uh, that they have the opportunity right now to go to their bookseller of choice. Uh, you could always go to Amazon and pre-order Your Brain on Facts, the book. Uh, so, so what if you picked up some historical inaccuracies and flat out myths in history class? Your brain on facts is here to teach and reteach re readers relevant trivia. Uh, I don't know why I'm talking about it. I want Moxie Labouche to tell us uh, something that she enjoyed most writing in uh, your brain on facts. What was a chapter you loved? Oh, of course, they're they're all my babies. I love them all. Uh, no, I, I was so brain dead by the time I was finished writing that. Are you kidding me? Um, I got to write about something that I, I haven't incorporated in my show because I, I work clean on my show and I try not to get too deep into things that maybe people haven't had the talk about yet, but the reproductive habits and social hierarchy of the spotted hyena. Oh. And if you want to know why it's freaking fascinating, <laughs> get the Your Brain on Facts book. Well, that's fabulous. Uh, let me... Let me ask you uh, to regale us with uh, the social media handles or any of the relevant uh, URLs and things that people would need to find Your Brain on Facts. I imagine they could just Google it, Your Brain on Facts, but give them some whys and wherefores as to finding your creation. Yeah, you should be able to find Your Brain on Facts on the same program you're using to listen to this fine show. Uh, follow me on Facebook and Instagram at uh, Your Brain on Facts, and Twitter is Brain on Facts Pod. All right, cool. Uh, so on the same uh, uh, social media platforms, you can find Mount Rushmore Podcast. You can get out there and uh, give us some examples of your favorite fictional uh, prepackaged food spokespersons. 
uh, let us know what we missed. You could also suggest a topic. Uh, others who have done so have ended up participating in the podcast as a guest in this world of Zoom. Uh, we are able to do this very easily, get you on as a voice in the podcast. You don't have to, but you could. We've got an episode coming up in which a, a listener to the podcast suggested the Mount Rushmore of athletes who would have been successful in their sport in any era. So we're going to tackle that in, a, uh, I think, next week. Edit so, tackle. Tackle! Uh, rim shot. Baseball. Uh, reference. That's, that's baseball? I thought it was basketball. Okay. Mm -hmm. So uh, at this point, I want to invite you to go out and uh, download, rate, and review some past and present Your Brain on Facts episodes and do the same for some Mount Rushmore podcast episodes. We'd love to hear what you think. We know you've got time to listen to podcasts. Uh, so we are now in our third round. And Moxie LaBouche, uh, I'm looking at all my notes that I've taken here, and they show you many, many points ahead. So unless you falter in the next two choices, you're going to have a sizable lead. You're going to retain it. Um, but uh, let's let's see what you can do with your third choice. I'm just here to have a good time. Okay, all right. And if I and if I can win while I'm at it, hey, you know. Yes. Good. Well, I don't know if you remember the uh, classic Chappelle show sketch, uh, the racial draft. Yes. Well, I am going to follow uh, Asia's example, where they drafted the whole Wu Tang Clan. My third choice is Snap, Crackle, and Pop. Oh, cool. <laughs> nice. Those are, of course, the little elfin mascots for Rice Krispies who were created in uh, 1932, four years after the cereal was invented. There had been a fourth character who was only in two commercials in the 1950s, Pow, which was a reference to hmm. the power of whole grain, except he wasn't an elf and he was in a spacesuit on a hovercraft maybe or something. <laughs> it didn't work and he got shelved. But these three guys were even created to have their own individual personality. Snap, he's the one in the chef's hat, is the older brother who solves his you know, little brother's problems. Crackle, the one with the striped stocking cap, is the middle child with a fun-loving personality. And Pop, wearing the like marching band captain helmet hat for some reason, uh, is the clumsy jokester of the group. They've even been in uh, a movies. They were in a short called The Breakfast Pals, where they fought their enemies soggy, mushy, and toughy. Yeah. <laughs> but they've branched out beyond the world of television commercials and movie shorts and, of course, The Breakfast Table. They've infiltrated science. Wow. In physics, you have a measure of velocity. The rate and change of in velocity is acceleration. The rate of change in acceleration is called jerk. The rate of change of jerk is called snap. That is official. Unofficially, the next derivative, the rate of change of snap, is crackle, and then the sixth derivation is pop. Again, not official terms, but they are used in some physicist circles. It's a bit like the Thagomizer, uh, which comes from a far side comic where a caveman is giving a presentation on dinosaurs. He's got a picture of a stegosaurus tail, points to the spikes, and like, and we call this the Thagomizer after the late Thag Simmons. And a lot of paleontologists do refer to spiky tails as thagomizers. So there may be somewhere out there a brilliant physicist mind referring to 
derivations and velocity as snap, crackle, and pop. Wow, that's a lot nice. of fun. I, I will say snap, crackle, and pop. Even as a child, I perceived them to be of my parents' generation or prior. Like, uh, I think I associate elves or, I believe, are they elves? Are they, what are they're they? El- they're elven. Gnomes. They're elf-ish. They're yeah. gnomes. They're gnomes? <laughs> That's what they yeah. originally were, were elderly gnomes. That was their oh. original design. Is that they right? Got, they, got, they got used up later on. Oh, okay. They got el- elves are more youthful than gnomes. I guess gnomes huh. do seem kind of bearded. Didn't, and, I did uh, not find that in my, cool. Wow. I'll look for that. I'll look specifically for that. Yeah. So there's, if there is, in, in the Tolkien verse, there is a dwarf who is associating with them, who's met, who they're continually uh, um, competing with. Uh, wow, Moxie, that blows my mind. I've never heard about Pow. He's kind of like uh, Richie's older brother, Chuck, on Happy Days. He has got a, got excised when he became... Just took his basketball, went upstairs, and yeah. never came down again. <laughs> yeah. Wow, well, I that's also a lot of fun. Have, uh, I also have what... The characters are called in some other countries, if you wanted to hear those. Oh, yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. In Sweden, they are Piff, Paff, Puff. In Germany, they are Nisper, Nasper, and Nusper, with a K. Uh, Mexico, Pim, Pum, Pam. In Finland, they are Pox, Ricks, and Rax, which is the most Susian, I think, assortment mm. in the group. In Holland, Piff, Paff, Puff. In South Africa, Nap, Nater, and Nack. And in French Canada, Crick, Crack, and Croc. Wow, that's a lot of fun. I do like, you know, th- their names obviously are d- derived from uh, the sound of pouring milk on the cereal or the sound of the cereal yeah. Yeah, in, in your mouth. And I love how the American version or the English language version is just so uh, – ah, it, God, it just doesn't compare, honestly. <laughs> like like all the other ones are, are cute and uh, – uh, you can you can kind of hear it, but just hearing like crackle, you don't actually hear crackle. You 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 understand what crackle is, but you never hear it. Uh, that's He's great, mad though. about the onomatopoeia. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I would say Rice Krispies too might be of the cereals, and this is not a um, a metric that has uh, been part of the judging. But I feel like you you see that cereal as much in a bowl as you do in a rectangular form on a, uh, a half-price pastry shelf at a coffee shop or in a cafeteria or something like that. That's true. What other cereal has such a second life? No, I don't, I don't think so. Yeah. So I was just looking at this, at this little research tool I have called uh, Wikipedia. Mm. And uh, I didn't realize that to bring everything full circle, the original voice of Snap was Dawes Butler. And the wow. original voice of Pop was Don Mesnick, who we wow. all talked about. Crackle was originally Paul Winchell. And right. so, yeah, some of the other voices, people who have done voices over the years include uh, Frank Welker, uh, Kel Mitchell from uh, Keenan and Kel, and uh, America's favorite nerd, Eddie Deason. Oh, that's a lot of fun. Yeah, I'm still so, trying to get over the Frank Welker revelation. Yeah, it's wild. Well, Eddie... Frank Welker has basically done a voice for everything at every point at every time he's actually doing my voice right now that's how <laughs> eddie deason has also had a very prolific career as a writer for the mental floss and other um publications um, he is he is one of the world's biggest beatles trivia yeah. guys 
Yeah. So there you go. And isn't Paul Winchell, um, didn't he invent the uh, pacemaker or something? <laughs> like he actually has a number of uh, patents and is renowned for his uh, humanitarian efforts too. He worked with Dr. Heimlich. Um, he uh, worked with Dr. Jarvik. So yeah, he has a number of patents there in addition to being a, a voice actor. Well, when you said you were, he worked with them, he basically just moved their mouths. Right? <laughs> yeah. things, right? That's right. He, he was their voice. Okay, uh, dudes, uh, I don't know. I don't know if you can recover because Moxie Bush is coming at you really strong with her great, great choices. So what's your third choice, gentlemen? All right, so our third choice, and I'm going to blow some people's minds with this. If oh, you've boy. got kids, you may want to you may want them out of the room for a minute. Well, I, well, I, well, I, I, I dropped this hot topic on you. <laughs> Betty Crocker's not real, you guys. Whoa! <laughs> oh my gosh! What are we gonna I, tell Junior? I don't know. <laughs> He's got all those Betty Crocker posters up yeah. on his wall. December twenty sixth is Betty Crocker. <laughs> okay. No, so so Betty Crocker is, is our third choice, and she was actually created in nineteen twenty one by the Washburn Crosby Company, which later conglomerated with other mills in the in the east coast to become general mills and it was part of a, a contest in the saturday evening post and they ran this contest and contestants were basically supposed to complete a puzzle and they would get a a, a, a pin cushion and they got a ton of responses to this and along with this, just the general responses to the contest they also started receiving these letters from housewives basically with baking questions, household concerns, and they didn't know what to do with all these questions, but they thought there was something there. So the head of the advertising department decided, let's have some fun with this. We'll come up with a female quote unquote chief of correspondence and we'll call her, came up with a name, the um, name of Betty Crocker. And that was how Betty Crocker started. Uh, by 1924, she was, she was so popular that they started airing a cooking radio show called the Betty Crocker School Cooking School of the Air that started off in Minneapolis and then went nationwide. It was on the air for, I think, like around 30 years, wound up being on all, th all three of the major networks at the time. Um, and I just think it's fascinating to me that they, that this, this, I think it's really one of the first attempts to try to put a, a, a human face to a corporate conglomeration and it worked to the point where in 1945 fortune magazine actually declared her the second most popular woman in all of america behind only eleanor roosevelt oh wow yeah and i find it interesting too that what she looks like has changed over the years it's kind of unlike the pillsbury doughboy it's kind of the opposite of this she evolves every few years there's always a new painting it's always a painting never a picture of betty crocker there is no one person that Betty Crocker is patterned after. The original painting of Betty Crocker was actually a portrait that was a composite painting that blended the facial features of the female staff in Washburn Crosby's home service department. Mm. But over the years, they've kind of, as kind of tastes have changed and, and standards of female beauty have changed, they've adapted Betty Crocker to that. She looked very... Uh, Jackie Kennedy back in the early 60s, for example. In 1975, they gave her olive skin to try to make her 
less obviously white and something that, that could appeal to a broader kind of subset of individuals. And I'm just, I'm just, I, I just think it's a, she is a, it's a very fascinating way that they've kind of, I don't want, I, they certainly haven't hid that Betty Crocker's not a real person, but they have, they certainly haven't been shouting it to the rooftops either, you guys. They never gave you any reason to doubt. Exactly. You, mm-hmm. you would always suspect that, oh, there must have been a real Betty Crocker at some point. And then over the years, it's just sort of, no, there was never a real Betty Crocker. There was a real Duncan Hines, though. He was, was a real there? guy. Mm-hmm. Oh. I, I, I'm fascinated with Duncan Hines because from what I've read in a thin tome of, uh, of um, brands and marketing, Duncan was, uh, Duncan Hines was originally a traveling salesperson who developed a, uh, a book in which he published reviews of, of restaurants. And then ultimately that brand was sold to, I forget who, who ended up buying it, but it became a cake mix later on. Wow. Let me ask you guys, are these the original influencers? Because in the world of choice that consumers have today, uh, today, as in years past, people feel comfortable being guided to making a uh, purchase, not by a brand, but by an individual or by something that they can have a relationship with or an understanding of, such as a a spokesperson, whether they be a cartoon or whether they be a artificial human person. Um, do you, do you feel like that's something that's been valid throughout the generations that people would rather buy something from a human being or from, or feel like it becomes recommended from an actual individual? Probably from someone that you, that you know, that you have a relationship with, you know, if you, if you're constantly buying the same, cereal with the same cartoon character on it you want that same cartoon character um same thing with you know uh, mrs butterworth you know she was a anthropomorphic uh person that was in the shape of a bottle that's pouring syrup out of her head but she's sitting on your table with you and if i don't know that's interesting i do trust that more if there's the face, the same face over and over. And I, th- I think I, I think it's especially true with Betty Crocker, because not only was she just sort of as a figurehead, but they hired people to play Betty Crocker on TV shows and on radio shows and to dispense advice so that Betty Crocker became a trusted person that you turned to when you needed help with your baking or with your anything to do with your keeping your home. I think that's true of, I believe you mentioned Aunt Jemima and that the... I don't know which World's Fair it was, but she, an actress who portrayed her was hired to give um, demonstrations and be a spokesperson. So that if you were to ask the question, was Aunt Jemima real? You would say, well, originally maybe no, but then uh, actresses at some point were hired to portray her. Well, I, I find that an interesting aspect of human psychology is that we, if I go out to Amazon and I'm looking for a fun book about facts, and I read a review by an individual whose um, opinions I trust that Your Brain on Facts is a really fun book. You should read it. Well, I feel like I have a solid recommendation from a real person versus somebody who just has a financial interest in it. And I I think that's very much one of the driving factors of this kind of new e-commerce world that we 
live in where there's a lot of people, it's the new kind of Yelp where we can read the recommendations and, uh, and make a choice, make a more informed choice, not by, um, not by doing what an advertiser or a corporation tells us to do, but yeah, by what until an we find out that all of the reviews came from the company itself. The company, yeah. Yeah. That's true. Okay. So, uh, Please give us your fourth and final choice, Miss Moxie Labouche. You know him. You love him. He's got that laugh. So recognizable. Reminds you of Santa Claus. The Jolly Green Giant. Oh, well. I just like him. I just thought it was like, let's just make a just this gentle giant. He's going to stand all the fields and... Not wear underwear under his loincloth, but hey, we're not here to kink shame, you know? No, I don't have a lot. I just really like the Jolly Green Giant. <laughs> well, hey, how, awesome. can, how can you tell if it's a real giant or not? Okay, like a real Scotsman, I guess. <laughs> now, also also a, a uh, food spokesperson who, who clearly fucks. Yeah, he has yeah, the, yeah uh, he's got Sprout. He's got Sprout there, who I assume is his kid. I don't know that that's ever... If he's more like a ward of the court that's been awarded to the green giant, or if it's actually his kid, I would have to assume. Maybe it, it's maybe his. maybe it just buds off of him. <laughs> yeah, I'm not sure how this works. It's, he's I would, a Groot. Yeah, I would think there would be, you know, if if there are tribes of roaming gi- green giants around the world, that would be chaos. Mm-hmm. Can you imagine if they, we got them upset about something? Yeah. They could destroy us. This is this may be the winner. I don't know if this is going to be one of your choices or not, Jeff. But this may be the winner of the who is the most dangerous food prepackaged food character that we have. Yeah, I have to put a disturbing thought into your head. Yes, Colin, if he is like himself a plant, how does he yeah. how does he reproduce? Well, no, I'm just thinking how much pollen does an oak tree put out? Yeah. Ooh, and you know what pollen point. is analogous to? Yeah. Okay. So yeah. basically just jolly green giant all over the valley. Just uh, the he, money shot. Of all, the, of, of all of the um, uh, spokespeople we've, we've talked about uh, today, he has the hardest task, which is selling vegetables to kids hmm. or to parents at least trying to get their kids to, you know, to eat beans and like, you know, it's not it's not that hard to get a kid to eat a sugary cereal or, you know, a tube of cinnamon rolls. But like if you're trying to get them to eat, you know, corn and peas and other things that are generally just, you know, healthy for you, that that's a hell of a task. And I think that he definitely um, uh, puts such a, a friendly uh, and helpful like. Air but menacing. To it. But menacing. Yeah, he's, he's he's not an evil giant. He's there to to bend the tree down and help, uh, yeah. you know, help everybody with 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 getting this food to people. He's he's definitely the 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 friendliest of of the spokespeople um, with the hardest task. Wait, are there any other <laughs> vegetable based <laughs> spokes characters? Hmm. Oh, that's a good question. Are the birds. Is there a bird's eye bird? Maybe. Well, no, it's just a little swoopy on the logo, uh, and Bird's Eye was the man's last name who was developed the IQF uh, process, individual, individually quick frozen process. Mm-hmm. It's a weird well, last name, but that was blow, the last you're name. blowing our minds. That's pretty 
that's really awesome knowledge wow. that you have there. Yeah. The only, yeah, thing I, the only fact I can add to this is the fact that the uh, Kingsman of Louie Louie fame had a top 10 hit with a song called The Jolly Green Giant back in the mid-60s. Really? <laughs> yeah. Was it, was it uh, related to that or just a coincidence like Iron Man? No, no. It was about the Jolly Green Giant's dating life, essentially. <laughs> so there's our source, gentlemen. There we go. Yeah, we There's can... where all the information we need is. Go back to the source, the guys who sang Louie Louie. Yes. <laughs> okay, uh, Michael and Richard, it's, uh, it's your last shot. It's okay. uh, lay it on us. Our last choice is: Is there any mascot whose introduction is uh, more of a direct result from ingesting that product? And by that I mean the Kool Aid Man busting through the wall, yelling "Oh yeah!" And he is, you know, he is uh, Sugar Rush incarnate. Just he's there. He's in your face. Um, he is. Every Chris Farley SNL sketch that has ever been done, uh, but in you know, in the shape of a of a glass pitcher with a smiley face drawn on it. Um, another old, um, mostly um, unchanged mascot introduced in 1954. Although he kind of suffers, he kind of gets you know, um, he kind of gets poochified if you know the Simpsons reference. You know, by the by, the late '90s and the mid '90s, they kind of put him in sunglasses, and he started, you know, surfing and being really cool. I mean, his name, his first name is Cool, so like, I, you know, I guess take that for what it is. But like, I don't know. It seems like he was trying to rival um, the Seven Up mascot at some point. Like, you know, just the cool wars between him and Cool Spot were just really, they're really, you know going at loggerheads just two two ultra red cool mascots fighting each other out for who can be the coolest out there it was the biggie smalls and tupac yes exactly exactly right um but he's i like him as a mascot because he's so recognizable also generally friendly even though he kind of destroys property Everyone's happy to see him when he busts through like the baseball when you know the baseball um, outfield or through the brick wall of your school or into your home. Hundreds of thousands of dollars in property damage. <laughs> but it's all solved by just like you know sugar water. Michael, did you give us the year of his inception? What was it? Nineteen fifty-four. Fifty-four. Oh wow! Um, okay. I guess I guess the story behind his creation. Um, he was originally known as um, Pitcher Man. Um, so, you know, Very creative. A, a slight, a slight uh, uh, change in his name, but I guess the creator, Edwin Perkins, um, kind of came up with the idea for the face being drawn on as he saw one of his kids um, kind of drawing a smiley face and like just condensation on a window. And that kind of sparked his imagination and mm-hmm. transferred over to, you know, the pitcher on a Kool-Aid, which, you know, feels that act is something very um it's very childlike, and I think it's something that kids can kind of recognize when you see like this, your fingers tracing that outline, and it's like, oh yeah, you're the kid has almost created this person out of nothing too. A, a little spark of imagination, mm-hmm. I thought, is is nice. But um, uh, I guess we kind of have to touch on like the Jonestown massacre for a second, oh. or we don't. It wasn't no, Kool Aid. It no, wasn't Kool Aid. It was, was Flavor Aid. And it no. was flavor aid and cleaning fluid and pesticide and anything else they could find. 
Oh God. <laughs> Let's, uh... Oh no, there's a documentary that has the footage, the audio footage that was smuggled out of Jonestown. Don't watch it at night. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, Flav Aid though, so where are they? Who's who's the giant mascot that's <laughs> No man, that is the GoBots to the Transformers of Children's Sugar Water. And Michael, you mentioned the Kool-Aid or the seven up spot. And you do remember there was a video game. The <laughs> the seven up video game. Apparently, and I didn't know this and I was just doing some Oh research. sure for the for the for the Sega Genesis. Yeah, and I was just doing some research while you were talking and because i had vaguely remembered this there was a kool-aid man video game for the atari apparently two of them there was one for the intellivision as well uh what are you some sort of rockefeller over there with your intellivision <laughs> mr rich over here <laughs> richie rich no yeah I, I i vaguely remember it and i think it was sort of like a soup like a like a donkey kong type type adventure but I think it was terrible, if I remember correctly. I mean, if it was on the Atari, it could only literally, technically have been so good. Yeah, there's the, your limits are pretty low on yeah. that. I would like to exclaim that uh, as we were a lower income family, Kool-Aid uh, was the Rockefeller drink. It was a uh, funny face is what we drank. Um, and that seems to be a actual kind of just somebody observed the the, the visage of pitcher, pitcher man. Um, who was actually, I think, uh, on a Craigslist ad uh, picture, manned. So be careful if you go after that. But I would also say, in my as a kid, it, while we were drinking Funny Face and dreaming of Kool Aid, I did kind of headcanon Kool Aid as being uh, in direct opposition and maybe competition from um, with the punchy, the Hawaiian punch guy. Oh yeah. Yeah. Who. Who comes up with a character named just Punchy? The most, <laughs> the just most punches oh, people. Just yeah, the runs most, around punching people. The most irrationally violent of all food spokespersons. <laughs> yeah. He's yeah. the violent drunk of, of food spokespeople. Gay I drunk, no less. <laughs> at least he's just, I mean, Kool-Aid's just doing willful uh, destruction of property. Um, <laughs> Punchy is yes, just... Yes, <laughs> but the Kool-Aid man does raise a disturbing question. Is he the glass or is he the liquid? Oh, ooh, that's a Occam's razor kind of. Uh, their Schrodinger's cat would be in that picture. Uh, and I he think. carries, and he also carries a picture. Mm -hmm. Yeah, what's that about? Is that the, offspring? Yeah, I don't know what that is. It's weird. <laughs> well, I, we've established that all of these serial mascots and some, or a serial and uh, other spokesman uh, mascots are all just. There's just this massive orgy that's going on behind the scenes yeah, that that's it. Uh, is. Oh my disgusting. god! If there are furries, are there like product <laughs> mascot enthusiasts? We have uh, had an amazing time discussing our Mount Rushmore of fictional prepackaged food spokespersons, and we want to thank very heartily our uh, guest competitor, Moxie Labouche. Moxie. Tell us some upcoming episodes of your podcast or ones that listeners can find currently. Well, I mean, I've got 110 episodes up, so lots of stuff for people to enjoy there. Everything from the origin of the Vulcan salute to the history of nursing and the theft of Canada's strategic maple syrup reserve. Yes, there was a, there is a strategic maple syrup reserve and somebody stole a bunch of it. Oh, wow. 
Was it well, Nicolas Cage? <laughs> <laughs> well, those folks, uh, those topics and more you can find on uh, Moxie's podcast, which is called Your Brain on Facts, your weekly half hour of things you never knew, you never knew, available on all podcast platforms. And coming soon, the literary uh, adventure, which is? Uh, your Brain on Facts book, available for pre-order on Amazon or contact your local bookseller. Guys, we should have been writing a book this whole time. What a bunch of knuckleheads we are. <laughs> it would have been a, it would have been not not so much a book as just a kind of random scrawlings with crayon and pencil. Yeah. No, this you could definitely format this into a book. So at this point, uh, I have the um, role of choosing the winning prepackaged uh, food spokespersons to be etched into the Mount Rushmore of this category. Uh, and it is a tradition that the visitors come in and uh, to our home field and take advantage of our competitors here and, and cream them and beat up on them. And this episode has been no different. Uh, Moxie, I am choosing from many choices from your list. Uh, just because I love them so much, uh, I want to go with Tony the Tiger. Yay. Yay. Uh, and you informed us of his uh, dubious... Um, military or at least navy um stripes and and uh, uh but uh horatio magellan crunch that was so fun to know his first name um i loved as he was portrayed by russell crowe um in master and commander um i would also since you informed us so much about the uh, disappearance of pal and the cold case uh, related to that uh, snap crackle and pop but these guys, Michael and Richard, are not going to go without points because it just gave me so much energy and excitement when they just mentioned Kool-Aid. I'm getting so hyper. Guys, any parting comments or thoughts about um, the amazing trouncing you've had at the hands of Moxie? I feel like we got cream of wheat did is what we got. <laughs> we want to appreciate you for sharing uh, a little bit of your time with us, Moxie Lavushin. Thank you so much for letting uh, all our viewers and listeners know about where they can acquire your book and where they can listen to your podcast. Uh, this has been the Mount Rushmore podcast. I, as always, am Jeff. I'm Richard. I'm Michael. And I'm Moxie, but I'm not usually here.